how they've showed me is seeing me coming to Earth prior to me entering Earth. Mm -hmm. And the angels bowed before me and I said, rise, because I didn't understand why they were bowing. I said it again, rise, and they were just being humble on the changes and the things that I would take place and also for other people too. And they called me the great and noble one. And I didn't know what really that meant. And they have to other friends of mine and people that have come and done sessions. And they've also showed me that this very time right now was orchestrated. It's a divine setup and we're, we chose to come at this particular time. Mm -hmm. And we're here for a reason. And those that wanted to come at, I call it the grand finale. Mm -hmm. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to have another conversation for you to listen into today. And we have the beautiful Debbie Straley with us. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. Kristen has talked so much about you and all the things you're doing. In fact, I've been on one of your group sessions and it was lovely coming on. So yeah, one of the Inner Sanctum sessions. I know. Well, last week had Kristen Mismash on the show, who's been a diehard member of one of our of our group, the Inner Sanctum group, where we get together a couple of times a month to talk all sorts of things. There's a support group and then we showcase new old teachers and quiz them as a group and we do lives. Kristen has been raving to me for about few years and she's asked me so many times, put Debbie on your show, put Debbie on your show. <laughs> and because she spoke about you in the interview, in the conversation that we had last week on the show, as her Reiki teacher and her spiritual yes. teacher, you know, where she lives and you do the goddess circles and the drumming together and all that sort of stuff. And it just seems like now is the time. I don't know what happened all those years ago, but now is the time we get well, to Well, thank you. you. I'm so honoured. It is an honour. I know. It's so exciting. So let me tell you a little bit about Debbie. Life and death intertwined when Debbie was born unconscious as the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. Having witnessed the other side at birth, Debbie has always been open to seeing and feeling beyond the physical realm. This ability led her into a pathway of healing. Seeing both sides of the veil gave Debbie the ability to see people from multiple perspectives, both their best and their worst. Boy, do I know that one, Debbie. (laughs) And experience has taught her how to assist people in being their best selves. Debbie's professional background included working with the Red Cross as a disaster action team member and youth affirmations leader and trainer. Wow. She trained every member of her team and dispatched them to serve in both national and local disasters. 
With a natural talent for crisis management, shifting chaotic circumstances into peaceful solutions and seeing a person's strength is one of Debbie's talents. And she's done many other things in the corporate world, banking and all sorts of things, which I won't read in the bio today, but Debbie can tell us about that if you if you want to. But now Debbie is a certified Reiki master teacher who continually adds more magic to her healing toolbox. She became a Tibetan bowl steward and an Anovichi mind body practitioner and an intuitive life coach. And for over a decade, Debbie has been facilitating goddess full moon gatherings where hundreds of women have come together in love to learn and grow and dance. <laughs> oh, it's going to make me cry. And from and renew themselves on multiple levels. And Debbie was just telling me that she's getting a website up. She's get, making it happen because <laughs> it's all been word of mouth up until today. <laughs> and her website is debbiestraley.com. But if it's not up by the time um, you look for it, you can always find her on Facebook at Debbie Straley, Straley spelled S-T-R-A-L-E-Y. All righty. Well, I'm excited to hear about you're an NDE. Is the NDE the one that happened at birth or did you have more after that? Yes, it did happen at birth. That was the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. And back then there was no technology that they had to recognize when the when the heart rate of the baby was going down, and so usually they do this C-section, so they lost lots of babies that way and was wow. able to, yeah. What happened with me is, now this is strange because how could I remember what yeah, happened exactly yeah. as a baby? Mm -hmm. Because there's no possible way that could happen. And yet I was able to my soul remembered where I went and that I was given a choice and that I could come back or stay. Um, how I explain that, though, is that I was able to kind of see what was going to happen in my life, why it was important that I came back. And so I chose to come back. But if anyone's ever had an experience like that, there is a warmth. I call it warm honey that comes over you and it's a feeling of love that you would never want to leave this place. And yet I did come back. Mm -hmm. uh, I was black and blue when I came back. And so they revived me. And as I got older, I started to say things to my parents that they knew I was different than the other girls. Uh -huh. And because I was sixth of 10 children and being the sixth girl, they didn't know um, why I was speaking of um, these things outside of uh, my earthly experience. And so what could this possibly be? Um, all children see up to a certain age. Uh, a lot of times you'll have a baby in front of you and they'll be giggling and laughing right in front of you. And then so start look to the right or the left and you, those are our loved ones coming in for them. And sometimes the toddler will say grandpa and point to the room and you look at the mantle and say grandpa and they still point outwardly. And I just say that people have lost their Wendy, their Peter Pan, their never never land is what I call it. 
um, because all children see up to a certain age and then they stop seeing. Uh, and I also say that when people have an experience like mine, they bring a little bit of heaven back with them. Mm. And so I was able to, my heaven was that I was able to see the angelic realm and also the dark forces. Although who wants to see that? But it wasn't a switch that I had that I could just see one or the other. It was seeing everything. So I did start seeing all of these things. And so I had a different childhood growing up at night when it, I was in the bedroom they would shapeshift, the dark forces would shapeshift into anything and everything to scare a little girl. But that would scare any adult too. And it was like an obstacle course running through my home to get down to my parents' bedroom. And my heart rate was beating so fast and my mother had to comfort me and hold me to get me to calm down. And this was happening every night. So she finally went to her, her girlfriends and said, is there anything that you can do for, I mean, I've had five other girls before this one and they might have a night terror here or there, but it is not happening every night. And it is happening to Debbie. And they're like, is this the same child that brings pretend friends to the dinner table? She goes, yeah, that's Deb. <laughs> that's what would happen with Deb. Yeah. And they said, well, there's a hospital up the street that could help her so that she doesn't have this going on. And oh, I God. said, well, I don't want, to, I, thank goodness she knew that I didn't want to go to the hospital and that it wasn't going to be the best thing for me. Yeah. And so she instead went to prayer and she prayed and prayed and prayed and then came up into my room and she goes, is now before this incident, she would say, she would open the closet doors and say, there's no such thing as the um, boogeyman. Yeah. And she would lift the covers and say, see, there's nothing under here as something's popping out of me. And I was scared to, to be having these things pop out of me. And I looked at my sister and I noticed that she didn't even witness this. Uh -huh. And so what was different with me versus them? Why was I having such a hard time with this happening? And why could I see, but they couldn't. And so that's what was happening at night. And um, she came up into the room and she goes, is the bad guy here? And I said, yes. And she goes, I want you to rub your hands together like this. And I want you to feel this um, and create a white ball of light. Mm -hmm. So I started to form this light. And I looked up at her to see if she could see this light ball. And I could tell that she couldn't see it, but she believed it. Yeah. And she goes, now I want you to send that to the bad guy. And I'm was wondering why the narrative had changed too. So something had changed. So I put my hands like this and I took one of those memory pictures. Now I used to think that everybody did this, but I've since then found out that not everybody takes a memory picture, but I took a memory picture of my little itty bitty hands. They were probably three or four years old. 
and it went to this uh bad guy that she called and i asked him or he was taunting me and saying you think that's gonna hurt me do you know who i am and what he was the meanest one and then when it finally got to him he froze and his facial expressions didn't freeze, but he himself did. And his face was surprised, like shocked. And then he, um, I created another one and I sent it again. And when it went to him halfway, he, he left the room and I never saw him again. Wow. So at three or four years old, I got my power back. And I told everyone about the white ball of light. So my neighborhood, <laughs> uh, I had a church that I went to. I told the church. And then when I grew older, I started telling my elementary um, friends, too, about this white ball of light. And finally, my mother sat down with me and she goes, okay, honey, let's just tell our close friends and our family just about the white ball of light because she didn't want me to get made fun of this was kind of different and so she played a pivotal role in my life a lot of my family members uh didn't even get what was happening with me and I was a why child so I was always asking why this why that why 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh she had 10 kids, so she was always in the kitchen. So she had, go ahead. It was your mother that gave you the white ball of light. First of all, she wanted to take you to a doctor so that it wouldn't happen to you. And then she gave well, you Well, her friend ball. suggested that. Her friend suggested, I'm thinking, how did your mother know that? Okay. And now then, and then instead of taking me to the hospital, she right. went to prayer. Uh, uh, and prayer. then she, mm -hmm. and then she came up. And showed me the white ball of light, gotcha. which was the perfect thing for me. And I didn't want any little kid to be without it <laughs> because of how terrified I was. I didn't want them to be without it. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Wow. That is so fantastic. Good on your mom too for being really open to sincerely, that. Really? Yeah. Because I don't know. Did you grow programming. up? Did you quick the programming, right? Did you grow up in the area that you live in now? Like in the sort yes. of Bible Belt of America? It's uh Utah. Utah. You grew up there. So yeah. so the fact that you're inside that, yeah, and that she's wow. So she was gifted herself. She just didn't see, but she could feel things. Um, we all have gifts. Um, anyone can either see things, feel things, hear things, or know things. Sometimes even smell. These yeah. are called clairs, and they're spiritually, spiritually seeing, feeling, hearing, or knowing. And so hers was a feeling. So when she went to prayer is when that information came to her, and she showed me the white ball of light that she received through prayer. Fantastic. And she was always in the kitchen. So cooking because 10 children. Yeah. And she always had like flour or whatever up to her elbows. 
<laughs> so she was always cooking. And I came in one day and I said to her, um, I asked her one of these questions because I was the why child. And yeah. it would drive people crazy. And I don't know whether she got inspiration, like one of those feelings again. Or if she was just trying to get me out of the room because I was asking her. But one day she said, why don't you ask your angel friends? Wow. And I said, oh, my angel friends. Mm -hmm. And she goes, yes, ask your angel friends. So I asked the question out loud. And then I went back to playing. And she said, wait, what did they tell you? And I said this big, long, extravagant answer that there's no way that a three or four year old would know. Oh. And we didn't even get a television till I was like 10. Yeah. And so it wasn't influenced that way either. And that was another pivotal moment in my life because she had taught me to ask the questions. Amazing. So she, I did find out that um, they're bound unless we ask when we call upon them. Mm -hmm. um, they're bound unless we ask. And so from then on, I started asking the questions to them. And they would answer my questions, but uh, they were um, just answering whatever questions I had. So there was a moment where it was a conflict of something that had said, and I go, why didn't you tell me that part? And they go, well, you never asked. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and so then I started to say, I would ask the question and then say, or anything I haven't asked. And they laughed just like you did, uh, or anything I haven't asked. And I go, yeah. Um, what else? So in a way, I was being taught from the angelic realm as a child. Wow, Debbie, and listening to you so reminds me of Lorna Byrne. Do you know who Lorna Byrne is? She's the angel lady from Ireland. I think it's Ireland. No, anyway, I had her on the show no. years ago, and she's so funny. She says, I was born dyslexic. She can't even say dyslexic. She says, dyslexic. Dalesic, <laughs> am I getting it right? She's so funny. And um, they thought that she was, not that this is part of your story, but her her access, is, but they thought that she was retarded is the word she used. And so they didn't, they put her in school and they put her in a corner and wouldn't teach her because they thought, no, she's stupid. But she said oh, everything wow. she learned, she learned from the angels, but she could see them as clear as, she could see them like she saw people through her eye, her physical eyes, her outside eyes. And um, yeah chatted to them as a baby and didn't actually know that when she was playing with her little brother that he was dead <laughs> in spirit. Yeah, just <laughs> like seeing you right here, somebody right. next to you, I didn't know the difference. Right. So as a child, I would say, do you want to play with us? And mm -hmm. that's how I would know if they could see you or not because they would say yes or they would say, what do you mean us? Like who, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And that's how I would know because I didn't know the difference. And when my mother sat me down and said, let's do this a little different, then I didn't know how to differentiate. I now I do. Yeah. I just that's how it was then. So I could really relate to this person you're talking about. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's a she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, like you know, I've been speaking to people for years on the show, and there are some that have this access that is just out of this world, which is kind of like you, Debbie. That that sort of access to the spirit world as a part of their waking physical reality, like it's there's no difference. There's no oming and meditating and binding the vibration. It's just a part of your reality. It's like, and and often they say the same as you, you know, you don't understand why other people can't see it because it's so normal to you. It's like, you don't see that person standing there? Nope. <laughs> yeah, they're just yeah, because they've only seen, so yeah. I don't know what it feels not, not to, see. to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I know the guides and the angels, I was, when you were talking about the birth thing, I saw Ariel, Archangel Ariel came as a purple light, purple orb, just sitting on your shoulder. I don't know. Anyway, on, on one of your shoulders, just next to you there. And I'm like, oh, she's got the angels around her. <laughs> then you started talking about <laughs> the angels. You've got, you've got the whole mob there, the whole Archangel gang. But Ariel, for some reason, made her, uh, her him, her itself known to me, but, um, yeah, on a need-to-know basis, exactly. Being a curious child because, yeah, guides and angels will only give you what you're summoning, what you're asking for, mostly, mostly, because we live in a free will environment. They do intervene, you know, sometimes. But um, we do need to ask in order to receive the information unless there's a contract to the otherwise. So what did they show you? What What did you ask and what did the angels show you as a kid? One day... There, we had a sliding glass door and this bird come flying in, not knowing it's a window and coming in as hard as it can come and bam, snapped its neck and died right then. And my mom again was up to her elbows with stuff and I start running towards the bird. And while I'm running, I'm asking the angels, how do I heal this bird? And they start to tell me. And so even though my mother said, don't touch the bird, I picked up the bird and its neck was wobbling. And I put my hands over the bird just like this. And this warm honey started coming into the bird. Now, this was the same warm honey that I felt when I died. And now it's going into the bird and I'm feeling it go in. And my mother gets to me finally and she grabs my arm like this. And this bird flies out of my arm, out of my hand. And she looks at me and she goes, my mother did. She started to cry and she looked so surprised. And she used this term all the time with me, but I didn't know what it meant. And she goes, I don't know how to raise you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. children don't have any limitations they only have possibilities until the people in their life start to say you can't do that that Mm -hmm. doesn't work or there's all kinds of possibilities we're just told we're not allowed to although I did it so I didn't leave some of that programming yeah growing up and um I started to notice the people around me and they would say, well, we almost died in that car accident. And I'm like, but thank goodness the angels were there. And I would say, did you see the angels? And they're like, well, no. I go, did you feel them? Uh, no. 
did you hear them no how how did you know they were there did you just knew it and they go because we should be dead <laughs> so it was just a thing to say it wasn't just uh and then um people in my life would say you know you're not to talk about that stuff that's sacred you're not to say those things those are sacred things and you keep those to yourself oh my god and so in other people around me if they had gifts or something well that's sacred so oh. um and i'm like i found out that in the olden days people used to talk to the angels all the time mm -hmm. and so i wondered why it's different now versus then if we did it all the time what what's changed and this was part of it, the it's sacred, don't talk about it. And it's more, um, or they say you should be talking to creator, source, universe, um, whoever God, whoever you call that is who you should be talking to. I go, so what are the angels there for then? And I noticed there was a disconnect that uh, this wasn't common for people. And yet I was asking all the time. Sometimes you said, well, what did they say to you? Anything I asked them. The bird thing was one of them. Sometimes even in church, I would say, so they would ask the question and I, I would ask the angels the answer to the question and they would tell me, and then I would raise my hand and they would call on me and I would say what the angels said. And I could see the teacher's face being perplexed because she didn't want to tell the little girl. She knew what I was saying was true, but I didn't say whatever she wanted me to say. So I said, what is it? What's going on? And they said, well, you didn't say what was in the book. Oh. I go, what's in the book? And they said, oh, read your scriptures, say your prayers. Um, and there was a bullet points. I go, or it could be these things. And they said, yes. And the teacher said, yes, that. And so I didn't realize that there was a script sometimes. Fascinating. It's so crazy that people don't recognize this connection. And, you know, especially in religious structure and utilize the connection rather than making you wrong and saying, no, read your book. It's in the book. You're wrong. The book's right. Rather than saying, oh, wow, you seem to have a connection. Can you tell us more? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just keep referring to an old book. Oh, the book, the book, the book has to be right. Wow. So I want to ask you with this experience of living in these two realms simultaneously what got you into banking you said you're in banking like what did you think when you grew up and left school that you wanted to do with your life you didn't think that having this experience would be your life at that point that's a good question because in elementary school I moved from sixth grade to a different um, area for my junior high years and I had already told all my elementary people my gifts, basically. So everybody knew that's the girl that talks about the white ball of light. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I hit junior high, I'm in a new school. I'm in a new area. I decided to have a quasi-normal life mm -hmm. and not tell anybody about my gifts. 
-hmm. in junior high and high school. And then I went to college and about mid college, I realized there's a reason I have this gift. Um, when I was younger, I thought it was a curse. A lot of times people think their gifts are curses because that was scary having those things come in until I learned how to utilize my gift. So here now we have banking coming into my life and uh, I still was using my gift in that I could identify when somebody was had fraud going on uh-huh. and I would attempt to try to get them to shift and change their ways. And then eventually I got to tell my boss and she she realized one day, she goes, you know, you come and tell me these things and then I do the research and you're always correct, <laughs> but uh, you don't show me the math that shows where the problem is. You just tell me. And so she started to recognize that I had a gift. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And um, so she just believed when I would tell her and I'd go look and she would see it every time. Wow. But I know that people, unless we walk in their shoes, we could be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, that is one of the things that came back with me when I left this earth is a lot of times you hear about this judgment and this those kinds of things, I felt none of that. It was love, acceptance. And I could say that I brought some of that back with me too, because I have a heart for people, whatever situation, we don't always know where they're at, what's going on, why they needed the money to do fraud. We don't always know the whole story, but I would attempt to change their ways. But if they didn't, then, of course, we would get to do it the other way. So did you confront them? Like if they came up to the, you know, the the window and you knew that they were being fraudulent, would you confront them, the people? I would look in their eyes mm -hmm. with the most loving, caring mm -hmm. um, way yeah. that I could. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I would say, there's other ways that we can do this. And I wouldn't say it in a way, it was always in a, they could wonder if I knew or didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, but usually I had my angelic realm, the angels, you could feel it come in. And it was an opportunity to for them to shift. Did and you they either, mm -hmm. either took the, counsel or they didn't right but yeah. when they didn't and i gave it a little bit of time then i got to tell the manager yes the the thing with me is that i just listen and usually i'm hearing from people's higher selves mm -hmm. and so whenever i do reiki even i say i ask to use my gifts because um some healers can flay people open um, when they're not ready for it. But I like to be very gentle and ask permission when things come to me. Oh, that's so interesting that you say that. 
I don't know if Kristen told you, but this weekend past, we had um, another medium on the show, Sandy Feltz, who was channeling one of our Inner Sanctum members who had passed in early December. Uh, actually, she was channeling a lot of people. There was another spiritual teacher called Michael Tamora, who is just fabulous, who had had seven near-death experiences. I think it was seven. Was it seven? He wow. Says, yeah. He says here <laughs> about that. He said, I lost count. He's, he's laughing. He's saying, I lost count. He's funny. He's listening to this conversation. Anyway, and through Sandy, he said exactly what you said just then because he was such a teacher. And he said, sometimes, sometimes you you got to hold back and let people learn the lessons for yourself and then, you know, not trying to. And he said this from Spirit on the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he um, said rather than, uh, you know, try and help everybody, and he gave me, as Sandy was speaking, he gave me the analogy of the chrysalis and the butterfly. You know, this well-meaning man saw a butterfly struggling to get out of a chrysalis, so he got a pair of scissors and cut open the the chrysalis so that the butterfly could come out. But apparently the the struggle that the butterfly goes through to get out of the chrysalis sort of activates the chemicals that it needs to open its wings so it can fly. And if you open the chrysalis, the butterfly dies that was yeah. the analogy he gave so that's so interesting that you say that, that that message that has come twice now in the last few days yeah don't be over eager to help people they have to learn the lessons themselves but like the angels you can guide them you can tell them you can show them but they have to make that decision mm. Interesting. And as a little girl, I didn't know the difference of, um, cause I didn't ask the bird if it wanted to live mm -hmm. and I didn't go up and ask, is it okay? Is this for the bird's highest good to live? Yeah. I, and they, I believe that the bird allowed that lesson for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, but I learned a valuable lesson as I grew older. Uh, and then I learned that it's important to ask if the person wants to live. And it's important to go up and say, is this for the highest good to create this healing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I had people come to me all the time. Even there was a story one time I was going into a grocery store and this lady who had already passed away so she had already died she met me at the front of the grocery store and she said will you talk to my daughter she's in the grocery store will you go speak to her and I see you doing the same gifts so and I said you know I just it makes me uncomfortable to interrupt somebody's uh, shopping day and I get that you wanted me to talk to your daughter, but I just, I feel like uh, they usually cry or it just really affects them. And she goes, can you hear me out for my story first before you, I said, sure, go ahead. And she said, I knew that there would be a day that the banking system would crash. And I knew that this would happen one day, so I chose to put my funds in my home, and I told the children that if I ever die, you're going to have to look for this 
money that's hidden in the house. She goes, I thought I was going to have one of those deaths where the family gathers around and you have a conversation and all of these things. And then I would tell them where the money was. She goes, I died instantly like uh, that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, so I never got a chance. And they keep calling me in. And it's money is an important thing here. Although um, I had said that I would give it to them and I want want to they're calling me in and asking mom where's the money uh-huh. and so I keep coming in and they can feel me really strong they just can't hear what I'm saying right and so I come in and I tell them and they can't hear me so is there any way you could tell my daughter where it is she sold the house the people are moving in at the end of the week Right. And I just want her to have it. And I'm like, so I went up and I asked, is this for the highest good for <laughs> me to tell the daughter where it is? And I got a yes. <laughs> and so I just told her, you're going to have to come in really strong so that she knows that because usually when I do this, they look to the right. Then they look to the left, like, who's this crazy person? <laughs> and then they look me in the eye and they feel it and they know what I'm saying is true. And then they start to cry. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay, I'm coming in strong. I go up to her daughter and I'm like, thank you for letting me interrupt your shopping day today. Um, I know you don't know me. Your mother's here right now. I know she's passed. Again, this is, you have to be careful because this could fillet somebody open. Yeah. Make sure you have permission to do this. And I said, she's this little itty bitty thing. I described her and she wanted me to tell you where the money is. She told me all about the banks. She told me she had this conversation and that you've, you're selling the house at the end of the week. And she started to cry. <laughs> of course. And I said, she put it in the attic. She's this little itty bitty thing. I don't know how she got up there, but she went up in the attic and put the money there. And she's like, the attic. Oh my gosh, mom. I would never have thought the attic. So I left. She was probably in shock. We didn't exchange numbers. Uh -huh. And her mother comes to me shortly that day. And says, thank you. She got the money. And I've never seen her or her daughter again. Wow. Yeah. And I don't talk about this in my everyday life to other people always. I mean, so it's just when it comes in, I sometimes do it. Um, like I said, I'm uncomfortable a lot of the time. But wow, when that, it comes in that strong, I just that's do strong. it. That's such a great story. I love that story. It's such a great story. Yeah. But as a little girl, I used to do everything and anything they said. And it's not always for the best and highest good. Like your friend, was it Michael, you said? Michael Tamora. Yeah. From yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people get to grow and learn. He was such a magnificent teacher. Okay, still is an magnificent <laughs> Talk about me in the past tense. Still is a magnificent teacher. Yeah, I don't have a story like that, but I've got a little story in the supermarket. I'm standing in line one day 
waiting for the checkout and there's a couple of women behind me and one starts to panic and she's like, where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? And she looks through her shopping basket. She's looking in her bag and she's looking in her pockets and she's having a panic and she drops the shopping basket and goes running around the shop. And I'm just standing there thinking, oh, okay. And then she comes <laughs> back, she's panicking. And I'm like, I've got to put this woman out of her misery. And I said to the mob, where's her wallet? And they said, it's in the bottom of the basket. And I said, all right, yeah. I'll tell her. <laughs> I'll tell her it's in the bottom. I said, like, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me. And she's like, yeah, she's in that panic. You know, when you're in a panic, you can never see anything. You can't find yeah. anything. Or even hear it sometimes. Or hear, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I said, your wallet's in the bottom of the basket. And she looked at me like, how do you know? And I said, I can see it. Like she didn't say it. Like I read her mind. It's like I said, I can see it. And she goes, oh, you know, so I didn't tell her that I had been chatting. Yes. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. But I have to say that happens rarely to me. Does this happen a lot to you where you're doing your business and spirits asks you to go and speak to strangers. Does that happen a lot to you? Uh, I've been at dinner before and the waitress came up and her brother was telling me all the things, tell her, I'm sorry, tell her this, tell her that. And I'm like, please, no, let me eat this meal. You know, I don't want to upset her. And uh, I finally did say it and she cried and she left that day it's those kinds of things he wanted so badly to tell her he was yeah. sorry yeah, for the things he had done. And he wasn't expecting an apology back. He just so badly wanted to tell her. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I don't uh, touch wood. I don't have spirits pestering me to do that sort of thing when <laughs> I'm out of public. <laughs> I, 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 it's a bit like we talked about. It's a need to know basis. If I ask, they'll give me the answer. So yeah, if I see somebody in trouble and I'll ask, or oh, can I do to help? They'll tell me, but I don't have them you know, like just pop, you know, hello, speak to them for me, which I feel thankful for to tell you the truth. Yes. But I did go up and ask on that. There mm -hmm. has been times when I've gone up and it's like, no, it's not for the highest good. So mm -hmm. then I don't say. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you're in the banking industry. Your boss recognises that you've got uh, these abilities. Did you discuss that with her or she was just like too freaked out by it but she just trusted that you would know and that's where it went, that's where it stopped? Or did No, she... I did discuss it with her when oh, she cool. identified it. I did sit cool. down and said I do have these gifts Uh this is how it's coming through. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting the math equations to show you. Yes, you're correct. Um, it's spirit telling me through me what's happening. And I'm wanting to see if they'll shift. And if they don't, then I'm also being told to tell you. Mm -hmm. And how did she cope with that? Was she open to it? She was actually, she was very open. Because there was proof right there in front of her because she'd already seen the evidence that you were talking about. It's not like you were just coming out of the blue and saying it. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. In fact, I went to a personal development program and she ended up going to it too. Oh, great. And yeah, it just grew on our spiritual gifts and things like that. So she was very open. Her mother had passed. Mm -hmm. um 
I, she hired me on the bank and um, in my interview. And then the very next time, my first day on the job, she was not there. And everybody was talking amongst each other. I didn't really know anyone. And they said her mother had passed. And I said, oh, no. So I had really no one to train me. And I just answered the phones and did the things that I could do until she came back and she apologized um, over and over again and said, I'm so left you just there. And I said, I get it. Look what you've had to go through. Are you okay? I go, I want you to know that my mother passed too when I was 20. And so she goes, does it get any easier? And I said, no, it doesn't. Um, it's there when it comes and it comes really strong, even 10 years later. Um, but the easier part is the first year or second year was the hardest. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's further and further apart of those times when you have those moments. But they can come in and it can be as strong as it was at the beginning versus 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Did you ever receive a message from her mother for her yeah she used to speak to me all the time mm -hmm. telling me that she loved her mm -hmm. and that she didn't mean to leave early and yet she could do more now for her here than she ever could in in the living but if there's something about the physical that changes everything um even though I can see and I can see my mother, you still miss those physical hugs and those physical interactions, even if you can energetically feel a hug. There's something about that physical touch. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone says that, but I don't feel that. I really don't. <laughs> you feel it energetically too? Yeah, I've had so many people die. Like in the last week, three people have left the planet that I loved. Well, you know, one that I knew, one that I loved. And, yeah, I, I just don't feel that, miss that physical interaction thing. I, I don't, uh, I think yeah. that we have to move beyond that missing thing. That's just how yeah. I feel personally because, I, I don't know, it's torturous to feel that missing thing. It's torturous. Do you, Is that what you want to feel? Do you want to feel sad and in grief? Oh, it's a choice. And, and for many, uh, not you, but for many, you know, the, that death experience awakens their desire to want to reach out and find that other side, as we call it, or that mm -hmm. higher realm or higher, you know, raise their frequency so that they can acclimate to have that connection again. And, you know, I wrote a book about it, put people's stories in it called Awakened by Death. So I see death as such a beautiful awakening. It's a spiritual awakening for so many people, unless they employ bank employees like you. <laughs> and that's a <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah the missing thing yeah I just don't do the missing thing mm -mm. but I know a lot Good. of people do I know a lot of people do uh what was I going to say it's nothing like it was though I mean mm -hmm. but there are days that it I'll just miss my mother you'll miss your mother yeah, I often wonder about grief being those, you know, those traumas that we're holding inside and that grief thing activates them, that just activates that separation anxiety that we feel when we when we incarnate into this world and we feel 
we donned that that experience of feeling separate, of having the illusion of separation, that's separate from source, separate from God, separate from our soul. We have the illusion. And so when people die, it reactivates that experience that we've we've signed up for. And that feeling of feeling separate, you know, I'm separate from you in some way. Whereas the truth is we're never separate. And never more beautifully illustrated than having our group member, Eris, channeling through me and three other members and and Sandy this weekend in our group chat because it was like she was right there so much more present than she ever was when she was physical because she could all couldn't work out the tech and and she was messing with our tech from spirit and every time something would go wrong in the tech Sandy would say Eris is saying you're welcome now you know what it was like for me when I was physical couldn't work <laughs> I can and, relate. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And I never felt closer to her than, uh, well, I, I must admit, I never met her physically because it's online. She was in America. I'm in Australia. But I, I felt so much more close to her in spirit than I did when I was looking at her on Zoom. So Yeah, they yeah. definitely keep their personalities too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I look forward to reading your book. Oh, it's, yeah, 12 stories, people's stories, just the death, either their own near-death experience or, like me, the death of my mother. I, my mother died too when I was a teenager. And that woke me up. She used to come in dreams and and say, you know, I'm not dead. And to the 12-year, how old was I? To the 16, 17, 18-year-old, I can't remember how long that went on for. It went on for years. I just did not understand what she was talking about. But it put, it, it made me... A, question like how can I be with my mother when she's dead like because I was with her all the time in these dreams and then I yeah. wake up and I'm like oh that was a dream because it didn't feel like a dream at the time it felt like it was real and it just used to perplex me and so yeah put me on that you know keep asking questions keep seeking keep understanding who we are but I was going to say something to you about your bank manager's mother said that um or the boss at the bank said that she could help her better from spirit it it, it it reminded me of a friend of mine, Paul, who died about 10 years ago. He had seven children and my father's name was Paul and my father had seven mm. children to three different women and Paul had seven children to three different women. There was a kind of synchronicity going on there. And um, he, when he died, they were all very upset about it, but he had this big house and they sold it for lots of money and, and the, like he helped them physically through financial thing. Not that he was a rich man, but the house was right on the water in Sydney, you know, prime real estate. He bought it for next to nothing a million years ago. And then, you know, big city real estate went up and all these children were very nourished through his death. And in many ways, he kind of left to help them all out financially by the house being sold and then they could buy houses and start businesses and put their children through college. And it was really interesting that, that, you know, his death will sort of help them all so much. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah, it is. My mother says that all the time. I'm doing so much more than I ever could there. Although she fought so hard to stay here. To stay alive, yeah. Uh -huh. Another Wanted message to be with her babies. Another message that Sandy brought through from someone who had died that week because he fought so hard to stay. He had Facebook posts, please help me 
raise money because there's this treatment that's going to save my life, but I can't afford it and like struggling to stay, stay alive. And from spirit, he said, gee, if I knew how good it was here, I wouldn't have struggled so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, what else did your mother say to you after she passed to having that great access about her life in a different address? Oh, she said, I wish I could give you a tour and <laughs> and uh, come see everything. Uh, she became one of my angels and she was there with me. Anytime I did Reiki sessions and Reiki classes, she would come in uh, until finally one day she's like, I got to go be with the children. Uh, but you can call me in any time. But she was there on a regular basis. And she would say, this is uh, their mother, their mother that has passed from this side of the family. And so then I would, and I would say their name and what side of the family. So I was really good in um, knowing names and that. And then when she left, I found that I was kind of using her as a crutch because I wasn't getting the names and what side of the family that angelic realm would come in, but I didn't know who belonged to who or what. But my mother was originally telling me all the people and who, who they were. Then I got to figure out on my, my own, how to find out who's what and where. Uh-huh. So she was helping you like that. Did she say yeah. that she was talking to other people too that could hear her, like other people you knew or other family members? Well, they would all come into the room and I could see them. I just, it's like a big gathering. Um, you don't know who's the cousin and who's the dad and who's the grandfather unless, and they don't always look like a grandfather. They can be in their prime yeah, mm -hmm. and look really young. So mm -hmm. It's it's not always shown to you like if an older oh do you have your grandfather here because this older gentleman's here they don't always come in that way and in fact my mother came to me one time in her prime and I didn't even recognize her at first <laughs> I felt her soul and then I'm like mom and she goes, oh yes yes well we've been friends in other lives I'm in your mother in this life but we've been other things to each other. She just explained it like that. Wow. And when she explained that to you, did you understand that? Did you understand the whole reincarnation thing and soul agreements or did you? Yeah, I knew that we had, I've known of my past lives and other mm -hmm. things like that too. Mm -hmm. um, so when she said it, it's like it would go through me and I just knew mm -hmm. everything she was saying was true. Yeah. Yeah, because my mother's reincarnated and she's a family member and uh, she's an adult now. She's in her mid to late 20s. It's so fascinating watching her fulfill all those things she didn't fulfill in the life as my mother. She's fulfilling in the life as another family member. And it's so fascinating to watch that continuity of life. Like life just continues, just life just keeps going on and on. You know, life never ends. So if yeah. I didn't. I, like even the things like she, my father was very dark and very olive and she had um, sort of mousy colored hair like me. Uh, she used to dye bright red. 
when she was younger (laughs) (laughs) and um and freckly skin and she used to complain about having thin hair and freckly skin and she'd say oh I wish I had you know thick hair like your father and beautiful skin like your father and so I heard that as a child and when she reincarnated she did she had the thick hair and the beautiful skin and there were things that she complained about my boobs aren't big enough I wish I had bigger I'm too (laughs) tall I wish I wasn't too tall men are intimidated by tall women and all these things that she used to say and I used to hear it you know hear her complaining and go okay and then when she came back she just fulfilled all those things she she had a spinal problem which kept her short and beautiful thick hair like thick as anything and beautiful olive skin and yeah amazing amazing to watch this continuity of life continue Mm. so when I asked about your mother contacting other family members I meant family members that were physical like does she talk to other members and can they hear her in your family yeah I have some of my siblings that are um, gifted also Mm -hmm. um just differently than mine and they'll say mom came into the dream similar to what you're saying right um I physically saw her in the waking like when I was awake although she has come in dreams before but my siblings would say she came in a dream or I felt her um they didn't always just see her or in in what people call their mind's eye, but it's not really their mind or. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have other gifted siblings and then some of them are like, um, my brother, he was 10. He was young. So he, um, was worried that he would forget what she looked like when he got older. Mm -hmm. So what else have the angels taught you? I'd love, I suppose it's more about what you ask them. Do they give you information without you asking them? Because there are people that have that contractual agreement, you know, with the angelic realm that they will be a channel for information without necessarily summoning it. Like there are many channels out there that channel angelic messages and energy without asking questions. Uh, Is that the relationship you have with your angels or do you have to ask? Yes, that comes in, especially with what I do. And I'll, I say I could pinch myself because I get to see other people's heaven or their gifts, talents and abilities. And I get to um, have this experience in what other people would call a job, but it's not a job to me. It's I enjoy it. I love it. And um, that's when it comes in the most is uh will be either having a session or having a class and their guides will come in or their higher self. I like to say to them too, before they come, I, how I do my Reiki class classes and my sessions are that I'm just listening to your higher self and your higher self tells me exactly what it is that you want to hear or say or know. Yeah. And so I just first ask if they're okay with that and then the information comes in. Yeah. Well, I guess that when you're in a session, there is that agreement that you're going to be of service and that you're going to chat. So, But just in life, I'm sort of like, have, have you asked the angels about the future or why you're here at this time on earth or what's happening? Yes. You know, like that <laughs> sort of stuff. Like if, have they yes. given you information? Like have they just started 
I mean, I have to say I'm a curious person like you. So I ask a million questions and they give me so much information, sometimes so graphic. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's no way I can relay that to somebody. I'd have to sort of draw a 3D image to sort of try and illustrate what they show me. Have have they, yeah, what have they shown you about why we're here on earth at this time and what's happening? How they've showed me is seeing me coming to earth um, prior to me entering earth. Mm -hmm. And the angels bowed before me and I said, rise, because I didn't understand why they were bowing. And... I said it again, rise. Um, and they were just being humble on the changes and the things that I would take place and either and also for other people too. And they called me the great and noble one. And I didn't know what really that meant. And they have to other friends of mine and people that have come and done sessions. And they've also showed me that they did that and that this very time right now was orchestrated. It's a divine setup. And we're, we chose to come at this particular time. Mm -hmm. And we're here for a reason. And those that wanted to come at the, I call it the grand finale, mm -hmm. is here right now. And we have the opportunity to change it. And... We can use our gifts, talents, and abilities, and that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, part of my purpose here on Earth is to assist humanity. And one way is to show them their gifts, talents, and abilities through their higher self because they're talking to me. Mm -hmm. And then the other is to assist the planet and the people on it. And if I could, I, I get the biggest high off of seeing somebody else get their spark or their, their wake up moment. If it's not a wake up, it's a fine tuning their natural gifts and abilities. And so we are here right now on this planet earth and it's the most intense time and the dark forces are doing what they can, even though they're doing their best to take as many out as they can by using even their own voices to tell them that they can leave. Um, some of that's going on, but the brightest, lightest, most divine angelic realm is opening up. The There is... Uh, used to be a grid blocking stuff, but everything's coming in right now. And we have the opportunity, especially this year, in the year of the dragon, the collective consciousness right now, there's two timelines going on, and one is fear-based, mm -hmm. and the other one is love. And we can ride the wave on top of the surfboard with the wind going in our hair, the sunlight on our face. And even though this might not be possible, we can even have a drink in our hand, <laughs> loving life and enjoying it with laughter and fun. Or we can let the wave take us under and pull us down. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we'll fall off the surfboard. 
as long as we get back up, we can ride the wave. And to some people, I guess it could feel like an arcade game going left and right. But if you're doing it with grace and ease, doesn't feel that way. It's the key is to listen because I'm being told sometimes go right, pause, now go backwards, go to the left. And everybody's guidance is different. So if I can teach the people to listen to themselves mm -hmm. inside, mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. And when I start my classes off, I usually say, don't believe anything I have to say. Do not discount what I have to say and always go up to see with what I'm saying is true to you. And so my most important thing is to teach them to listen to themselves because my guidance might be different from theirs. Mm -hmm. My right might be their left. Yeah. Yes, one of the hardest things I've found, Debbie, is convincing people of their beauty and their brilliance and their spark and their light. And in my yeah. group, I tell everybody, and Kristen, you know, laughs, uh, that if, if you're attracted to me, you're you're a teacher, you know, you have these abilities. If you're interested in this stuff, it's because you have this ability. And they go, no, not me. It's like unraveling the programming but it's so funny. Yes. There's, a, there's a few in my group that are really talented. And Eris, who just died, was one of them, but she was so caught up in her drama. She was just the drama queen. She was fabulous, but <laughs> drama. And so from the other side, she said, oh, my God, I didn't realize how psychic I was and, and what a bright light I held. You know, I was so caught up in my drama and hatred and resentment and all that stuff and feeling like she was judged and everything. And she said, I didn't realize what, and so she's so eager to come back to, to be the healer, teacher, psychic that she was in this life, but to have that re more remembrance. I'm going to come back with more remembrance next time. She was so adamant. And she reached out to a couple in the group and gave them messages. One messaged me yesterday and said, oh, my God, Eris came through to me last night and I didn't even know her. You know, I saw her online, but I didn't really talk to her. Why did she come through to me? But she said the same thing to her. It's like, you've got such a bright light. You know, you're really good at this. And and I'm laughing and I'm thinking to myself, I've been telling her that for years. Why is she listening to a dead person and not me? Like, <laughs> How do we convince people of their magnificence? That That's, you know, how do we convince yeah. people of their magnificence? What's your guidance on that? How I do it is that I bring in their higher self yeah, through the sessions and I introduce their higher selves to themselves. And then I ask them to, and I usually do it through guided meditation and it's in nature. And then I, as soon as they see their higher self or feel them, hear them or know they're there, then I ask for them to breathe their higher self in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there is a bliss and a happiness that warm honey comes through them. And I said, you're one with your human and your humans one with you because that is you. Okay. So now that you're experiencing you, I'm going to ask you some questions. And I ask them questions and they're getting the answers. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. in the past, I used to tell people 
the things I'd see or hear or know. And they would leave saying, wow, she was pretty, she's very gifted. Was that real? And they still oh, questioned absolutely. it. Absolutely. So when I can get them into their own energy, because the questions are all inside of us, we mm -hmm. just have to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking the questions for them and for them to receive their answer. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to have my gifts to get those. Everyone can receive their own answers. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so if I can introduce them to really who they are, which is their God self, mm -hmm. and they're just having a human experience right now, although they are still their God self, mm -hmm. then they have all their answers. I don't really have to do anything in the session, but ask the questions as they get the answers. And then they leave going, of course that was true. Uh, I can't deny that. I felt that. I experienced. I know that. Well, it's interesting because you work exactly the same way I do, and I've still had people deny it and say, was I just making all that stuff up? Like they still go back into the, I think it's the, and these are, well, some are Canadians, but usually Americans. I don't know. I think it's the conditioning that we have through our religious systems that says, you know, in order to be that close to your God essence, you have to be an ordained minister or some there's there's the hierarchy or that there is this God outside yourself that you can't actually be that energy. I think that that's what we're unraveling as light workers is this this tight grip this paradigm has had on this world that that there is something divine that is not you. There is this God that's outside yourself and you have to bow toward, you know, and you can only listen to it through some hierarchical figure in some religious order. Yeah. So even that, and when, when they, they really go ahead, I was going to say, even when they have that experience in the moment, they're having that experience. It's like, yes, yes, yes. You can't deny it. But then as you come out of that experience, if you don't practice going back into that experience, you start to deny it. You start to go, did that really happen? Did I make that up? Was that just wishful thinking? Do you know what I mean? The further away you get from it. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? I think just right now the sun's coming in. Can you see it on yeah, me? <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah right when up. you were saying that. Yes, you're all, all lit up. Lit up. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm not sure what I was going to say right then. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that people can still deny it just unraveling the programming unraveling the programming okay so back to the angels talking to you have they talked to you about how we are the creators of our reality and and um and how we can you know get what we want a lot of people are in suffering and uh and they're looking for solutions have the of the angels, have you asked them that question about how we can teach humanity about the power of their mind and their thoughts and their decisions and the um, guidance that we get through our own vibrational frequency and emotions and feelings? What have they said to you about that? They have said that, well, let me just say it this way. It's a silly thing that I'm going to say, but if let's just say God was here on earth and God wanted to use a vehicle on earth. What kind of vehicle do you feel like God would use? Of course, they would say 
but let's just for humor's sake, what kind of vehicle would God use? I almost get to go like this because the sun's coming in so bright. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Egyptians called the soul the Ka body, spelled K-A, which is the part of the higher self or whatever aspect of the divine you want to call that, that incarnates into experience, into physical or, you know, different experiences. It's that part of the higher self called the car body or the Merkabah or the soul. There's maybe many names for it. So I always think like we're driving these car bodies around in these physical vehicles, like I call the body the physical yeah. vehicle. So that's how I So see all it. of that is true. Mm. Let's just say that they got in a vehicle. They would use the most luxurious one, the one that has air conditioning, all the bells and whistles. But people believe that they would get on their Jesus shoes and start walking or drive a Pinto to be humble. And yet we are abundant. And if we had a God that loved the children, wouldn't they want them to be abundant too? And so, yes, so just imagine a tree in the universe. And if I wanted to grab an apple from the tree and I started to eat the apple, I could worry about the people in Africa that haven't eaten. But they could grab from the same apple I grabbed and it will regrow itself instantly. And so we really do have access to the universe on anything and everything we want. Yeah. And when you tap into that and know that you are God yourself and you can grab from the universe, that you yourself is God and grab whatever it is your heart's desire, then you have access to this abundance, this so it was a joke that my mentor would say, what kind of car would God drive? And he was German and he would say a Mercedes. All right. Because <laughs> he loved that car and just was joking that. But it's exactly what you would say that would use those things. It's so funny, the synchronicity between you and Lorna. When I had Lorna on the show, she was sitting next to her window and it was sunset. And the same thing happened to her in that, um, and she couldn't work out the tech, you know, and, and so she was using the light of the window and then the light went down and the light was just streaming on her face and the rest of the room went pitch black and she was just like in this spotlight and, <laughs> you know, the Virgo in me wanted to fix it and then I sort of sat back and said, just look at what's happening. You know, it was so amazing what the sun was doing with her. It's a bit like you, what the sun is doing with yeah. you. Yeah, I look forward to meeting these people. <laughs> uh, I got to send you this. You'll you'll relate so much to her story. She kind of talks more in that religious speak, which so she contacts a lot of people, and um, her vernacular is kind of limited. It's quite sort of religious. As I say, she's she calls herself dyslexic, so she's never read anything in her life. She can't read or write. I think she has her daughter that helps her do emails and things like that. But getting back to what you were saying, I've lost my train of thought now. What were we saying? Oh, the abundance of the universe. I often think about this. Look at a strawberry where I was cutting open a papaya or any fruit and you see these, these hundreds of seeds 
and every seed grows another tree or another plant that will sprout, you know, more fruit with hundreds of seeds and more fruit with, and that realization that nature is abundant, that the universe is abundant. And when we suffer from lack, it's our own belief system when we're surrounded by abundance. Yeah. God is abundant. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we can tap into any of it, we whatever can. our height. I mean, we do have a genie in the bottle. We can, and it's not three wishes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not three we have to, Exactly. Yeah. We can wish for whatever we want. Um, create it. Ask and you shall receive. And Kristen was saying yes. last week that, you know, from the Mormon teaching, ask in the spirit or given the spirit or whatever the Mormon church says, the spirit. But it's that feeling, that feeling when you evoke the feeling. She says that the, that the church says, you know, tithe and tithe in the spirits of abundance or in the tone or, or whatever they call it. But it's interesting. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. It's like the church says tithe, but tithe to us. They don't say give to everybody or give to anybody. They say tithe, but, you know, give it to us. <laughs> and, they, and they become very abundant. I'm like, that's interesting, isn't it? But, yeah, when you give with the feeling of generosity, those blessings come back to you. That energy of generosity and, and joy returns to you. What you put out comes back. What you put out comes back. Is there any other messages? We could have gone more into your story. I'm sure there's a lot more to your story. But are there any other messages that the angelic realm or the other side want to relate to people listening to this? Most of what's happening right now, we have other planets from all over watching us. We are going to do things that have never been done. Yeah. And, and heaven really is coming here. Mm -hmm. And we are going to experience that. It's hard to believe for some because they're in in over their head with the other but w a lot of us will experience w won't have a mortal death in this life um it will be a twinkling that we're not leaving like buried in the ground death i'm not sure i understand what you mean you said most of us won't have a mortal death in this life there'll be a twinkling what do you mean by that well, heaven's coming here, so we're not going to have that death in this life that we have had in other lives. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is the frequency of this realm, this plane, is shifting so dramatically that when we have a death experience, we just shift addresses. We move out of a denser experience into a lighter experience. But you're saying that this lighter experience is is coming into this realm, so rather than dying to get that experience will just ascend into that experience and keep the body yes yeah it has been done before yeah other archangels have had human experiences and then i call it twinkling <laughs> into this ascension that you're referring to yeah yeah and we can either stay here or leave stay here or leave uh-huh. And for those that are still stuck in the mire, stuck in the mud and, and like looping the negative emotional stories and the conditioning and the programming, what will happen to them? They will just move to a different experience? There is a new earth going on right now and 
yes, uh, some of us won't um, continue reincarnating. Some of us will, this will be our last time. And some of us will just keep coming back until we get all of our lessons and our remembering. Whatever it is we get to have and experience. But some of us will just do what some of the archangels have become. It, it's hard to believe that that's going to happen in our life, lifetime. So you it's think... Been- you think it will happen in our lifetime? Because I often, because I've been talking about this for forty years, and I've seen a lot of change. Where, where am I? Put myself back on camera. But I often think, you know, the guides told me I'm going to live to a really old age, and I'm like, I don't want to live to a really old age. And they said, Yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. But I often think, is this, you know, all this stuff that we talk about, is this really going to happen in my lifetime, or will I see it from a, a you know, a different vantage point? So you think it's going to happen in our physical lifetime, like it's quite soon? Yes. Soon as in five years, one year, 10 years, 20 years. So time is weird for them there because everything is now. So our past, present, and future is right now. And so that is not my gift. I know other people that have the gift of time and get the gift of names. That one's not, they'll tell me soon or but soon, yeah. does that mean 10 years, five I years? And they'll give me seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, does that mean five years from now or 10 years? Um, so, but I was told that it would happen in my lifetime. So will I be a grandma on my rocking chair on the porch? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another angel lady that I had on the show at the end of last year, Ann Tucker, she does a lot of predictive messaging. Again, that she has this contractual agreement with the angelic realm to bring through messages that she's not asking for. It's just coming through. And, um, yeah, she says it's saying imminent, imminent. But she said the same thing about time. What is imminent? Is imminent this year, next year? Is, but imminent can be within the next five years or, yeah, that's interesting. I'll send you her yeah. too. To this to. uh this year is gonna be the biggest changes. Everyone talks about this year being a big year, 2024. Yeah. But yeah. we have had lots of changes. We have. <laughs> we have had lots of changes. Yeah. Because when you've been doing it as long as I have, you see them. I remember when I was in my 30, 30s, we were talking about all this stuff. And I'd look out into the world and I wouldn't see the I wouldn't see the changes. I wouldn't see it happening. And I think, are we just making all this stuff up? But, gee, you can't say that now. There's been huge shifts collectively, yeah. globally, you know, globally. 2020 was a big year. That was a big year. Huge. A lot of times I'll say to people, I'll say, so you're in your Armageddon or what some religions say last days. How you doing? <laughs> It's a perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And most people are like, oh, I'm doing really good. Yep. Yeah, how we how we how we experience the Armageddon or the last days is just like you said, you can be on the surfboard and ride the wave with a cocktail in your hand, or you can let the wave dump you. Like if you've ever been dumped. Even 2020, we can go back now because now we have hindsight. How many of us rolled through that, like on the wave? 
Right. With the drink in our hand and the sun in our hair. Right. And we just were right in the wave. And right. it, it was good years for us. Mm-hmm. And then how many of us were Struggled. under the wave? Mm-hmm. And yep. there's all different perspectives on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to say I rode that wave. People would say to me, but you can't go to a cinema and you can't go to a cafe and you can't do this stuff and you can't do that stuff. And I'm like, only temporarily. Maybe I can't do it for a month or two months or a year. Who cares? I can do it later. It's like I live near the beach. I live in a beautiful And place. I did a lot of other things Yeah, that I didn't do that I, if I was at the theater or the other have, things that I would have replaced. I have to say, because all my business is online, most of it, you know, mm-hmm. the online business just took off groups people were like on groups and sessions and shows and yeah it really expanded during that time so yeah it was um, Debbie Dung you you are you're just an extraordinary person you really are I I feel like I could quiz you for another couple of hours about about your abilities I don't call them gifts I call them abilities because I know we all have them some have them more than others and they are the teachers like you, you had them from the get-go. I might have had them from the get-go, but I definitely developed them in my 30s, not having that experience that you had as a as a child, except in dreams. You know, I was speaking to dead people in dreams like mum, but I just never had that seeing things and talking to spirits and stuff like that when I was young. Uh, I was too busy thinking about boys and movies and shoes and fashion and music and records and stuff like that. But uh yeah, you're one of those extraordinary people. I just want to thank you so much for coming and sharing on the show. You did so well, darling. Oh, you thank you. A little nervous. <laughs> thank you. People watching the videos will see that you've been a little bit nervous, but you did so well. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's not my norm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I get to get stretch myself too. Yeah. Um, when it comes to myself, and you probably can relate, it's harder to read yourself. Yeah. Oh, the guides told me years before I went on YouTube to get on YouTube and start talking and teaching. And my shyness or vanity or or both stopped me. I went behind a microphone on radio because I could sit there and not worry about what people were looking at and I could speak. But even that was a big quantum leap, just speaking, putting my voice out there. But now it's old hand, you know, when the when the desire to serve humanity is stronger than your your self consciousness, it becomes effortless. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you're doing amazing. I love everything about you. So, thank you for being you, and thank you for connecting us and being the light behind the screen. Oh, thank you, darling, and thanks to Kristen. Yes, she is such a doll. I love her so much. I had a million questions I could have asked you about Kristen, but I thought I won't do that on camera. Kristen's, I can hear Kristen (laughs) laughing, listening to this going, thank God. (laughs) Thanks again. She's incredible. And thank you. Thank you so much. So wonderful to meet Debbie today. Oh, Kristen, I've been talking about it for so long. She is quite extraordinary I love meeting extraordinary people like Debbie Kristen did tell me that um she so reminded me of Lorna Byrne I have to when I finish doing this I have to send her the the show I did with Lorna which was years ago now I can't even remember how many years ago six seven years ago uh yeah another extraordinary person 
Jamie Butler was another. These people were all psychic, as I say all the time, but there are some that have these really heightened, extraordinary abilities, and Debbie's definitely one of them. Jamie Butler is another one, Lorna Byrne. I have to say I've spoken to many psychics. And, um, yeah, Kevin Briggs is another one, amazing, has the uh, ability to do, I have these agility inability to astral travel, leave your body, project your consciousness. I don't think he sees dead people, but he knows how to leave his body and go to the spirit side and hang out with them at will if he wants to. <laughs> like, I'm just... I'm just going to go see mum. You know, this missing thing that we talked about. If you have that ability to just pop out of your body and go to the other realm and hang out with your dead relatives, you don't miss them. You can hug them over there and it feels physical. You don't have to miss them. But we do love to do the missing thing, don't we, as humans? So I wanted to come on and tell you, I was just saying to Debbie, I, I invited her into You Can Meet Her in the Inner Sanctum. I'm changing it up this year. I'm going to do them on um, once a month for the US and once a month for Australia on two different time zones so that hopefully more of you can join because normally we did them once a month on a Sunday morning here which was a Saturday afternoon in the US and Canada and it was evening for Europe I was trying to find a time that we could get all the time zones together but what what ends up happening is Saturday afternoon people are busy you know two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday they're out they're enjoying themselves they're doing whatever they're doing so they couldn't join, but they'd watch the recordings. So what I'm going to do is change it to a Sunday night in the States, sort of starting around 5 or 6 p.m., depending on your time zone, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And uh, that's like midday at the moment here in Australia, which means that a lot of Australians that have 9 to 5 jobs can't join. But then I'm going to do a separate one, and it also means that it's going to be too late for Europe. Then I'm going to do a separate one, which will be a Monday night here in Australia. So that means people that have nine to five jobs or day jobs can join in the evening. Lots of my friends are like, yay, I'd love that. Because usually on a Sunday morning, they're busy too, or they're tired or they're sleeping in or yeah, the Sunday evenings works better. And also it's the middle of the day or early morning for the for Europe. So they don't have to stay up until 11 p.m. or 12 or one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, which many of the people that joined us before um, did. But I think it was Sabine Poncelet joined us as a speaker and she got up at 2 a.m. in, where was she, in Dubai to to join us to be a speaker. Oh, I was so, so honoured that she did that, that people stay up so late to actually join the group. So there are some diehards that will join whatever time it is, middle of the day, <laughs> middle of the night, they'll join. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to try and make it easier for people. I haven't booked in all the speakers yet. If you want to find out what's going on, please go to currentswain.com slash inner sanctum and you'll see them there. There's nothing on there right yet. There's all the speakers we've had, but I'm getting it together because I'm changing things up again this year. So hopefully I'll get to meet you on Zoom one day, one day. And, uh, yeah, we can sort of chat face-to-face -face rather than me just talking at you through some device that you're listening to me on either audio or a video platform so yes 2024 changes are happening but just love that just want to shout out to debbie again and say thank you so much for coming on i know she was a little nervous but anyway she got there in the end <laughs> so beautiful and thank you all for listening and watching and remember to send me a comment i love hearing from you 
and you know share your story with us get your music out of you it is time to wake up this world and make this whole psychic thing more mainstream rather than being crazy woo woo whatever people call it uh, i was talking to sandy who was on the inner sanctum and I, and she was worried that if she came out more publicly she would be ridiculed by people at work and by the charity that she runs by people she said i'm worried that people won't donate to my charity if they know that i do this psychic thing and I said, nah, the world's waking up now. They're used to the psychic thing. There are all these shows on television, psychics all the time. It's more mainstream, you know, detective shows where psychics catch killers. It's all mainstream now. And she's like, you don't live in Indiana. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> so I get it. There's still a lot of criticism and ridicule around it. Not where I live. Well, not in my world anyway, but there are in other people's worlds. So if you live in one of those places where there is criticism and ridicule time for you to come out of the spiritual closet and talk about it and make it normal that's what i believe all right big love to all of you thank you again for listening and watching and i will look forward to seeing you online remember to check out the book awakened by death for more great stories about people's spiritual awakening through the death experience and i'll see you next time big love bye for now mm -hmm.